So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. Thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and I. Hope you enjoyed listening to us rank all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and enjoyed our analysis on each of those movies. So now for episode 113 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. So it's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're having a great time right now. Very excited for tonight's episode because we have one of my favorite guests that's been on multiple times, Mount Rushmore guest. Um, and we're doing a list format again, which I love. So Eric, why don't you introduce our guest and then our topic? Absolutely. Fan favorite making his fourth appearance on the program. You've known him for a, a bunch of a, different topics on here, ranging from life to Lord of the Rings to hockey and now a different topic and uh, back to movies, but in a different vein. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the homie, Justin Mocktinger. Say what's up to the people. What's going on, guys? Uh, thanks again for inviting me, Eric and uh, Matt. Super happy to be on. And of course, naturally, you got to make a hockey reference. Episode 113. It looks like we got uh, growing up both our captain's numbers thrown in there. You got number <laughs> 11, Mr. Boo Man himself, Daniel Alfredson. And you got lucky 13, the greatest Swedish hockey player of all time, one Matt Sundin. It's mm, a hot take. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering where you were going with that. Honestly, I didn't know like 113. Like, was that like an 11 to three reference? Uh, but I like the the two melding of the numbers together. I like that. So that's why it made sense to have you on for this one. But I'm sure if we had you on for 112 or 14, there would have been another hockey reference somehow that makes its way in there too. So happy to have you on again, man. And yeah, like Matt said, for this one we're going to be doing a list episode, two lists actually, kind of foils to each other. So right now we're kind of in a climate where there have been a lot of movie sequels out these days, both good and bad. And now we're going to actually be listing off five of our favorite and least favorite, so best and worst sequel movies of all time. Like I said, what kind of spawned this idea was like uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Avatar, Way of Water, Top Gun Maverick, if you will, as some very strong sequels that have been released in the last few years. And you got like the next Indiana Jones movie coming out. What else is there? I'm sure I'm forgetting a ton of stuff there, but you get the point. So two lists, five movies in each one. We're going to go back and forth just one at a time, just say one each. We're going to start off with the worst movies, I think, to get the, the bad stuff out of the way and then end on a note, note of positivity. Although for me, I feel like I'm looking at my worst movies. I'm going to have a blast talking about these movies, just ripping them to shreds. I love doing that myself. And yeah, so Justin, guest of honor, can throw it to you first. You want to kick us off for the movie on your worst five sequels of all time. Okay, now this one I think might be a rather controversial one because I feel like it was a pretty well-received um, movie overall, and uh, I think a lot of people are quite familiar with uh, the universe that uh, it falls in, maybe to to drop a hint. Uh, but I'm going to start off my list with uh, Thor Ragnarok. Now, uh, I know, I know, quite uh, quite the bombshell to, to drop off on, but he hear me out, hear me out. See, what I'm thinking of, it was a great movie, but when you really boil it down, so you have... Uh, Thor, who um, his, his father dies, and he basically finds out he has this sister who he never uh, knew even existed. And throughout the whole movie, she, Hela, 
play, played by Kate Blanchett, who was absolutely fantastic in the role. Basically, the the whole movie, he's going through the struggle of facing what basically ends up being this unstoppable beast in his sister, you know, the goddess of death, so don't exactly want to make that an easy boss to, to face. And throughout the movie, he, he keeps getting beaten by her and beaten by her, and eventually it's not even him who uh, who defeats her. And so I'm trying to think, as lovely of a movie as it was, this is right before, you know, uh, I believe Endgame and before some of the bigger Avengers movies, and I sort of attack it from the view of, okay, this whole movie, Thor was kind of made to look like a chump, and the dude's demigod. Like, the whole bo the, the whole point and premise of it, it's like, oh man, she broke my hammer, like, if only I had my hammer, then I'd be able to defeat her. And he had to have, like, a uh, talk with his father, who uh, was passed away at this point, but it's like, what what are you, Thor god of hammers? The, the hammer was, like, just a device, like, to help control your power, you know, release it. And then it shows a scene where he's releasing it, and even still, he, he wasn't the one who, who really defeated her sort of one-on-one. -on -one. And I'm thinking, in terms of, you know, Thor, he's one of the most powerful Avengers, so really, like, how, how much of a role did that really play in the overall grand scheme of, okay, here's a separate Thor movie, and together here's how he eventually gets into uh, his role into the next big Avengers movie. Uh, but uh, what are your what are your guys' thoughts on that in terms of uh, my explanation? Okay, I have to jump in on this right away. So just coming off our last episode where we ranked Marvel movies, I have Thor Ragnarok top five Marvel movies. So I'm like, I was completely shocked. And you, I'm still shocked. I don't even know what to say right now. And honestly, I had to stop thinking about my reaction and listen to your points as to why Ragnarok is not a good sequel and take it all in. I see a lot of the points you're saying. I'm going to say I completely disagree with like all of them, honestly, because just because I got, I hold that movie very dearly. I think it's a great movie, like, but I agree with like You made a lot of good points. So I will say in like how the resolution of the movie happened and that it, they ended up getting that, um, like the beast thing, like satanic thing to kill or destroy the planet Asgard and all that. But I think like that movie, and honestly, we could be here all night if we want to debate this movie, but I'll just say like, I think that movie was essential for Thor's development to, well, first of all, abandon or leave his home, right? Like his home is destroyed, but he finds out that like home is not a place. It's the people. It's who you have around you. It's like a, a culture that while your planet may have been destroyed, like that needs to happen for Thor. And his whole identity has always been tied to Asgard and becoming king and all that and now with that planet being destroyed he's able to understand a new meaning of what it means to be like a ruler to people and a better understanding of himself like his whole trilogy is kind of about self-acceptance and understanding of what he's supposed to be like that's always been his thing is like the pressure of becoming the next king of Asgard so I don't know like development of his powers I think like the action scenes are fantastic in that movie and honestly I've talked about that movie a lot in literally the last episodes so I don't want to repeat myself too much there but Man, I'm just shocked. And honestly, like, I I, res I respect your opinion, though. Like, it's these are subjective takes. I'm not here to convince you otherwise. That's fine. Just surprised is all I'll say. Matt, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, I'm just very surprised, too. I'll keep <laughs> it short. Like, if you think Thor Ragnarok is bad, like, you could have, like, 10, 20 other Marvel movies below it for bad sequels. But... Again, it's just our opinion, and I'm going to have some takes later on, and people, you guys might think I'm crazy too, or be like, why are you into those movies? 
Um, but no, it's a very surprising. So no. Yeah, honestly, I disagree. That's all. Oh no, I was honestly struggling for a few, and it's probably one of those movies I I should go back and might even change my opinion. But I think um, uh, honestly, I was going through uh, certain certain ones on on the list, and I'm like. Okay, this one might be a bit controversial, but there are some some parts of the movie I wasn't, I think maybe either confused on or wasn't a huge fan on. Also, all, all the stuff with the with Jeff Goldblum, like I know he's a, he's a crazy cat, but like a, a lot mm. of those scenes too, I'm like, wh where where's this going to? Like, where's this going to factor into the end of it? And I mean, uh, Eric, I know you sort of touched on it. Like he, he has to go through these struggles of maybe not not being sort of the 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 demigod that he is and being like the apex sort of okay. Okay, who's next? Line them up. I'll I'll knock them down. You know, it shows maybe, dare I say, a more uh, human side to to Thor, and that he's not sort of like the end all be all um, Avenger because you can I guess argue like all all the Avengers movies are pointless because it's like why didn't he just you know right exactly uh, bring Mjolnir and just wreck everyone? I respect the honestly. I respect the take. Like I've yeah. It's like, because Ragnarok is like mostly universally loved as a sequel, so I, mm -hmm. hey, I respect it. Like, great way to kick off our list, Matt. I don't know. Do you want to go next and like kick us off here and another yeah. take? Yeah, I'm gonna go next, and I propose. I I think I'll just read my five movies all in one shot. You know, I feel like we're gonna have more to say on the best sequels, and I just want to get like this over with. I don't know if you guys are cool with that. I'll say my five movies, and you guys can you guys can discuss them. My five movies are all similar. They're all like unnecessary sequels to franchises or trilogies. You know, they they went too far. So you cool, Eric? If I read my five in a row, yeah, for sure. Okay, you got Alien Three, Indiana Jones Four, Die Hard Number Five. Hangover Part 3 and Godfather Part 3. All super unnecessary, trying to make money. None of these movies are good. They're just trying to, like, cash in on the franchise and of the success of the first two in the franchises. Yeah, that's all I got to say on those movies. They're horrible. Not even, like, Thor Ragnarok's 100 times better than any of these movies. That's why I'm surprised to see, like, movies like the caliber of Thor Ragnarok on your list, Justin. But, uh... Yeah, that's Alien 3, Indiana Jones 4, Die Hard 5, Hangover 3, and Godfather Part 3. Um, I do actually have one of those movies on, on my list. I can uh, get get to that later. But um, uh, uh, the rest of those movies, honestly, um, don't really have too, too much to add just because I know I'm a uh, li little bit of one of those people you got to sit down to force to, to watch movies. <laughs> so a, a bunch of them actually I haven't seen or I've just seen clips here and there. They're, they're definitely not the movies that when you say, oh, like The Hangover, oh, The Godfather, oh, Alien, those I, I feel like are definitely not the ones that people think, oh, yeah, let's go to a Alien 3, 100% best one in the series, <laughs> no doubt about that. Like, there, there's a reason why um, I think when, when you get into the higher numbers, there is uh, uh, more of that chance that people and your audience look at it as nothing but a cash grab, which, hey, yeah. if there's money to make, then go go nuts on it but i think at a certain point i think especially with say alien like how many times can you really sort of tell the same story where maybe there's a, a bit of those logic loopholes where it's like why do we keep sending these people into space when there's this uh unstoppable creature hunting our uh our men and women down and you know completely killing them with like not a trace of them left 
So I think it, it's a bit of a delicate balance where, especially where you're a franchise like The Godfather, regarded as uh, the best, uh, couple of the best movies of all time. And then you have uh, the, the Godfather that you mentioned and you throw that in there and then does it sort of bring the overall uh, movie franchise down when you try to, you know, go back to that uh, cash cow and try to milk it one more time. So it, it's, it's really that delicate balance. And I think um, you, you give uh, some really great points, um, very good points to, uh, to bring up there. I, I trust your opinions on those. Yeah, of the ones you listen, Justin, a lot of great points, honestly, as to like what I, exactly that was the kind of interesting idea that I thought about sequels in general was that there's a successful first entry and then the studio want to cash in on that cash cow and milk it to the to its demise, basically, when there's nothing left to squeeze. And like oftentimes, like the product is horrible at the end, which like I haven't I haven't seen a lot of those movies, actually, Matt, like I've seen um, Hangover 3 and... I believe Indiana Jones, the fourth one, the Crystal Skull, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I know especially uh, just to add on to like the the Godfather I believe isn't Godfather 2 regarded as the best movie of all time by a, a lot of critics and it's at that point you're you're a victim of your own success like Again, going back, I guess, to the cash cow analogy, like, sure, there's money to be made, but overall, does that maybe um, go back to, like, the producers and the director and the actors? Do they sort of feel a sense of, like, yeah, this was good, but uh, maybe we, we shouldn't have done number three, you know? Like, we made extra money, but at what, at what cost, you know? But I guess teach their own and money talks maybe that's it they don't even like they're probably like, deep down and maybe they've had those sit downs where like yeah like that wasn't the right call but they made a ton of money so at the end of the day like they can justify the they justify it that way i don't know that's another point too that i it made me think of like the worst sequels oftentimes when a franchise adds a movie in its franchise years after the first one is released it's normally going to be a bad movie and i want to say godfather 3 
came out like what 15 years after godfather 2 if not more so normally if there's a lot of time that's passed and you have two great movies like or just one for example don't go back to it like dodgeball 2 for example i'm super worried about like i have the lowest of expectations for that movie cult classic like why are we even going there i don't know (laughs) i I forgot about that and i'm like dodgeball to wait a second people the the majority of the audience that liked that there that was what like when they were 15 years or so younger give or take uh 20 it's gonna be it's 2004 so oh boy oh boy that was like a different era of comedy too right so i don't know what they're gonna do in this one Kind of like Matt, I guess I'll just go off and list. Like I named one of them there. I'll list my my other four. And for my worst movies, I only went actually, funnily enough, or by coincidence, whatever, with like direct sequels. So number twos in other franchises. So I went with, so Hangover 2, Jurassic World, The Fallen Kingdom. Horrible movie. Like one of the <laughs> worst in my opinion. I remember sitting there in theaters being disgusted at what I was watching. <laughs> like Jurassic World was a good movie in my opinion. That's a good, actually a good example of coming back to a franchise much later and revitalizing it with like you got Chris Pratt and like the, his prime like getting really to movie star status, cool visuals. But then Fallen Kingdom, that plot is just one of the worst ever. Where like the the little girl spoiler I guess if you care ends up being like a cl- dinosaur clone of some sort. I don't even know. Some weird stuff. I don't even remember, honestly. It was so bad. Um, so had Fallen Kingdom, another example of coming back to a movie later, Anchorman 2. I hated this movie. Like, this this might be my controversial pick on these ones. Actually, no, my next one's controversial too, probably. But I did not like Anchorman 2. Like, there are definitely moments where I laughed, but yeah, it just, it, it fell flat completely for me. Like, the scene where they had all the cameos, like, there's the big fight scene in the park, and then all these different news stations show up, and you get, like, literally Kanye West is in the movie, Drake, I'm pretty sure. Those are the only two I really remember for some reason, but Jim Carrey. But it just went on for too long. It was funny at first, but it just, yeah, it wasn't it. Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, I was not a fan of. And I'm this is probably also mm. because... As a kid, this movie scared the shit out of me. So I think I look back at that as like, you know, I loved Raiders of the Lost Ark, but Temple of Doom, and I've given this movie a ton of chances. I still just don't like it. I think it's a major step back from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And yeah, it's just not it. And then lastly, I don't think anyone's going to argue with me on this one. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> horrible. Just a horrible movie, in my opinion. And honestly, I could have included a lot of the Transformers movies. Like, the the ones with, like, Anthony Hopp. The, all the ones with Mark Wahlberg, essentially, are brutal. <laughs> I just... Yeah. He's, like, in his garage, like, I think I found a Transformer. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, just horrible stuff. <laughs> Got to sell those action figures, I guess. That's yeah. what he was referring to, honestly. Anyway, so yeah, those are mine. Uh, Hangover 2, Fallen Kingdom, Anchorman 2, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, and Revenge of the Fallen. So funnily enough, Matt, we both had like a Hangover and an Indiana Jones movie in there. Good list, Eric. They're all bad movies. Those are solid picks. I have nothing to say. I don't like any of those movies. So well, good job. 
What's your, what do you got, Justin, for us? So I, I have um, a bit of a variety here, at least uh, what I think is variety. So um, so I said Thor Ragnarok, controversial as that is. <laughs> um, I also have Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Uh, that's the one without Kira Knightley and Orlando Bloom. And that one, I remember... Mm -hmm. Uh, see, watching it just on Netflix and remembering like everyone ripped it apart. So I sort of went in with an open mind and that one I was like, okay, if this wasn't called Pirates of the Caribbean, fine movie. But the fact that you have uh, Captain Jack Sparrow in it, nope, bad, ba absolutely no correlation to the rest of them, bombed, totally could, could understand why uh, it got as much hate as, as it did. Um, also funny fact of, uh, I believe rem I remember reading something. Apparently, the Spanish version of the movie kept the uh, the mermaid in it. Uh, her name, which I believe was Serena, and I believe the Spanish crowd laughed because the scene basically is, "Hey, her name isn't mermaid," and so someone asked uh, her love interest uh, what her name is, and he said Serena. But apparently, that in Spanish means mermaid. So he's like, "No, her name isn't mermaid. It's mermaid." So just awful, awful, awful bad. If, if that's if that's true. So so enough said there. Uh, the next one on my list is a uh, Halloween Resurrection uh, from 2002. Oh, I remember man. when we were locked in COVID. This was uh, on during uh, Halloween time, and uh, that I was just you absolutely butchered the character of Michael Myers. Uh, I believe Tyra Banks was in that movie, probably the most, one of the most annoying characters ever, which the sad part of that was, I think she was straight up just being herself, so right. <laughs> say, say what you want about that, but just awful, awful movie, I'll, I'll save the rest there. One here is uh, Wall Street 2010, this is the one with um, uh, Shia LaBeouf actually, and this one I believe, I remember watching, I was actually in high school, we went to watch it as part of like a business class field trip, and I think I was way too young to sort of understand some of the concepts in it, so maybe our, uh, it requires a revisit this movie, but um, was not a fan of that when I watched it, and then to add it up, or to end off, I should say, uh, I have both The Hangover 2 and 3. I couldn't <laughs> no honestly way, decide yeah. which one which one was worse. Like, I think we're all in agreement. Like, The Hangover, first Hangover, it seemed like just the perfect comedy. I think I remember it was the first movie I had ever seen just with a friend. So, like, that, it adds to sort of the aesthetic of how good that movie was. And then Hangover 2 and 3 was just... Didn't really even need it to be, uh, to exist, and no. it just did not whatsoever. Like, Hangover, perfect movie, why'd you have to, why? Just, why ruin it? I, I mean, I haven't seen, like, Wall Street 2010. I can only imagine, though, that's a bad movie, I would guess. Like, I feel like Wall Street is a good movie, I want to say. But then again, is that not one yeah. they revisited many years later? And added Shia LaBeouf, a la Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, so just anytime you're doing a late sequel with Shia, maybe that's not the move. Um, Halloween, I haven't seen. Uh, and Pirates of the Caribbean, Stranger Tides, horrible movie. I think I gave it a half a star on Letterboxd, just like a movie reviewing app. Uh, I watched oh. it in two sittings. It was brutal. Out of five, they're not ten, but probably it would still be that out of ten. That was a bad movie. <laughs> good, good list again, Justin. And like The Hangover again, like they just push everything too much like they ruined both the leslie chow and alan characters like they just really push them to the extreme and really like the worst way possible 
Yeah, great list, Justin. Uh, Halloween Resurrection, the worst in the franchise. They butcher every <laughs> character. Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps. That's like the subtitle of the movie. Horrible, you're correct. And uh, strain on Stranger Ties, the only good part of that movie was Penelope Cruz dressed as a pirate. That's the only part worth watching for me. But uh, no, good <laughs> list, Justin. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Matt, do you want to kick us off then for best movies? Like sure. One, we'll do one at a time for this, or did you want to do five or one? One, one at a, we can do one at a time if you want. Uh, I, I got more obscure picks, not going to lie. I didn't want to go mainstream. I made a mainstream list, and I completely erased it today, and I'm going to pick five movies that are great sequels, but like not like what you think, not going to make any like online lists, that are, but they're all great movies. The fir- Well, okay, some of them you've heard of, but like maybe my first three picks are obscure. First one is George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead from 1978. So basically, in, in 1967, he invents the modern zombie, flesh-eating zombie with Night of, the Living, Night of the Living Dead. Super successful, great movie. But then he tops it with Dawn of the Dead, one of the best horror sequels of all time. Takes place in a mall during a zombie invasion. This movie's been imitated to death. It's been remade by Zack Snyder. It's a phenomenal move, zombie movie. Super influential great gore first time where you see like guts getting ripped like bodies getting ripped open and like eaten like it's very innovative so dawn of the dead is my first sequel that is freaking phenomenal i haven't seen it i did see it though like as like a highly touted sequel like i was doing my a bit of list review just like remember some movies i've seen i get an idea of what i want to pick i did see it there like on a lot of them so you gotta look at that as well you seen it justin nice haven't actually seen the the original, but I feel like uh, really hard to ignore the spinoffs. Um, I think wasn't there even a British comedy movie called uh, Shaun of the Dead that was basically just sort of a spoof of it? it? It goes to show you just you know how not only how popular it was then, but like how it stood the test of time. And I think uh, enough has to be said with all the um, remakes and spinoffs uh, based on that. So good choice, Matt. Thank you. I'll go next, Justin, and just mostly because like my pick now segues well from Matt's pick, and not for the reason you'd think. And when I made when I was making my list, and we kind of talked about this, like I tried to steer clear from movies that are a part of like a series or a trilogy, more for movies that are like had one that was released and then spawns either successful or unsuccessful sequels where the intention wasn't always to make like a trilogy. Whereas this movie that I'm going to show now is a part of a trilogy. And I actually have the Blu-ray right next to me. that I'm just going to show you all. I don't know if you can see if you're watching oh, on the yeah. YouTube. Oh, and yeah. The movie I'm showing, if you're not watching, is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. So I went because Dawn, Dawn, you know, I had to go back to back. I was actually going to save that one for my last pick. Love Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I think it's an amazing movie, honestly. Like, a lot of people say War for the Planet of the Apes, the last one in the trilogy, is the best one. I completely disagree. Dawn is the best one for me. Caesar, one of the most... I've been cited as saying one of the most compelling characters and protagonists of all time. Andy Serkis absolutely kills it in this role. If we ever did like a movie character protagonist like lists or draft for heroes 
better believe Caesar is on that list for me. I'm taking him in the first round if possible. I, I just get so attached to the apes and you like feel for them in their the struggles that they're going through and like them establishing roles in their society, how intelligent they are. Like I do love the first one too, like to see them rise, like obviously to the title and to in, increased awareness, intelligence. And then in the second one, like they're just integrated into like this world and the respect that Caesar has, like he's someone I try to model myself after in like the workplace. You want to be a leader like Caesar, you know? Apes do not want war, but will fight. If we must. So, yeah, Koba also fantastic villain. Love the dynamic between them. You got you kind of ditch James Franco from the first one. I like the human cast that they added in this one as well. I want to say the guy's name is Malcolm, but I don't know the actor's name. You got Carrie Washington in there, or not Carrie Washington? I forget her name. Anyways, she's she's really good. She's in the show The Americans. Anyways, yeah, Dawn oh. of the Planet of the Apes is my uh, first pick. Uh, great movie, Eric. Great pick. Great movie. It's very It's like a Shakespearean tragedy. The movie. Like I remember the climax. It's epic. Like yeah, I've only seen it once. Loved it though. What do you think about it, Justin? It's Carrie Russell. Good choice. I think I remember. Can't even remember if uh, I've seen the full movie or I feel like I've seen parts of it because it's just uh, such an iconic uh, title. Great points, like you made, Eric. Uh, and I must say, I feel like Andy Serkis, uh, find me a better actor who plays basically these characters that need to be brought to life with CGI and just sort of the extra acting involved when you're not, you yourself aren't in there, but you know, you're playing this ape that is responsible for a whole tribe, you know, put yourself into that, um, into those shoes. And I think Andy Serkis does a fantastic job, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but is, was he not also uh, one of our all-time favorite characters, uh, Gollum, as well? He was. Mm -hmm. Most certainly was. Yeah, so, I mean, forget even any other roles. Just th those two roles alone, I think, uh, just shows you how protagonist, antagonist, he could do it all. Uh, not not to take it away from you guys, but I'll actually transition into my movie, which I'll readjust my uh, list a little bit because my first one I'll list is actually War for the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Let's go. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. No way. Now, this one I do remember. I did see it in theaters, and I believe my friend at the time who I, uh, I went to see it, he's like, come on, man, let's go. I'm like, dude, I, don't, I haven't seen either of the movies. He's like, Dude, you just have, like, trust me, you just have to see it. Risky business going into uh, part three of a trilogy, you know, kind of blind. But just in that one movie alone, I'm like, man, I need to go back and watch them and rewatch uh, War for the Planet of the Apes again. Because the tragedy involved, like, you really feel for, um, for Caesar, you know, he leads a mission, uh, comes back, and his uh, wife and son have been murdered. So, like do absolutely filled with rage eventually goes and sees the people who murdered his uh wife and son and all of a sudden is then enslaved and him and the rest of the apes are uh it i i feel like it's it's very similar dare i say to to the holocaust where they're basically put in these camps they're beaten they're starved they're forced to work and work and work and if you slip up bam 
you know, either you, you get taken out or you get whipped and it's like get back in or else sort of thing. And the fact that he is able to have one-on-one um, -on -one conversations with uh, Woody Harrelson's character, how you don't like just go out in a fit of rage, which did actually happen. And Woody Harrelson being a great villain in that movie is like, anger, always with the emotion, you know, like... What do you think would have happened if you killed me? What would my men have done to your apes? And it's that really delicate balance of, you know, the, dare I say, maybe human or ape side of, you know, trying to get, wanting to get revenge, but, you know, putting every other ape, ape's life at risk by doing that. You know, you can really uh, empathize with um, feelings that e everyone involved was in. And then towards the end of the movie to, uh, to see just like the death and the tragedy, but then Caesar overcoming everything and leading them into a better life. And then, uh, I may have spoiled some of the movie, but extra spoiler, uh, Caesar dies at the end. It's just like, you feel so much for, for this character and for all the apes and like all the pain and suffering to eventually get their freedom is, uh, pulls at the heartstrings for sure. And it's, uh, definitely, uh, the trilogy. I got to go back and watch them all just to, really feel it all over again no great great pick man like that's amazing that you had war on there and i just bashed it before i didn't actually bash it there but like yeah. i actually it was a great great conclusion to that trilogy and like your your breakdown of it just now made me want to watch it like you nailed those quotes by the way like that was spot on and i remember like i was gonna say after your like after your breakdown of it like woody harrelson amazing villain in that movie you absolutely hate him in that role but he makes sense. Like he makes completely valid points. And uh, yeah, yes. Caesar, man, just the goat though. And then like, I think his son, Ash has a bigger role in that one. Right. I don't know. I'll throw yeah. it in my like thoughts. It's a great, and it's a great conclusion to the trilogy. That's hard to do. Actually. A lot of the threes and franchises are not good. So a worthy conclusion, closure for seizure, good for Caesar. Good pick, uh, Justin. Uh, are we are we doing? Am I going with my number five or yeah. Justin's? We'll go like the, back to you, go. Matt. Just like keep looping back. Okay, okay. Might as well go with my other horror film. I might get a lot of eye rolls for this and like judgment, but you know what? I've seen this whole franchise, and I'm just gonna rip off the bandaid. The movie I'm talking about is Saw number three. Okay. This movie doesn't has no right to be as good as it is. Better than part one and two. This movie is what caused it to become a, now a 10 film franchise. The 10th one coming out this year, actually. Number three is great. It's a great horror film. It's got story, gore, good acting, compelling, amazing twists. It's insane. I snuck into this movie when I was, uh, I don't know, like 13 or 14. No, I think I was a little older, 15. But anyways, great, great horror film. It's the reason why there are so many others is on the strength of part three. It set up a whole story that they continued in four, five, and six. And three, four, five, six for the Saw franchise is the meat of the franchise. It's the best part of it. It's why it's very rewatchable, the strength of those four middle films. But it all starts with Saw number three. I'm not going to talk about the story because nobody gives a shit, but trust me, it's a really good movie. Just the way it's told and the interwoven like linear narratives um it's a really good movie guys just want to shed light on like probably nobody knows this but saw 3 is actually a great horror film <laughs> um no I, I know all the saw movies have actually been um 
again on, on my list it's it's one of those things where it's like i find a few available but oh they're not it's not like one or two or three but um i think i've, I've been told by my friends you know if you're gonna i guess do what i did with um uh, with the planet of the apes uh trilogy you know saw three if you're gonna just pick one at random that's the one you want to start with because of all those reasons you just listed matt um i'm pretty sure saw as well it's like it's more maybe on the gore side than straight horror. So if uh, you're someone who's trying to get into horror movies, would you uh, uh, recommend this movie? Yeah, like Saw is basically the only reason it's a horror movie is because of the traps and the gore. It's it's a det- it's a detective and catching a killer type of movie, just like Seven is. Yeah, it's Saw is basically a super gory CSI episode. Um, but uh, yeah, well said, Justin. So you would compare it to like a seven kind of movie because in my mind, like whenever oh, I yeah. think of this, I've never seen any of the Saw movies. In my mind, it's just like kind of they go like all out for the kills and maybe neglect other aspects in terms of like story or like gr- good acting. For example, this is I might be completely off this. I'm just making assumptions here. But if you're saying there are actually, there are more like like powerful stories, good writing, good characters in there, good acting, like. That's a game changer for me in terms of my misinterpretation of Saw and just going with what I've heard of like the over the top kills kind of thing. Yeah, three three has the best acting because it's got recognizable actors in it, and the other ones do become what you guys describe all about the kills. And three has incredible set pieces with traps and super gory, gratuitous stuff, but it also has a cool like revenge plot and you know, a good hostage situation plot. I don't want to give away too, like, I'm not going to get into the story, but like, it's, it's the best one out of every Saw movie. It's super strong. It's solid. It has full of twists, like really good twists, guys. Um, Just want to shed some light on Saw 3 instead of like, you know, talking about all the generic sequels that you guys may or may not talk about, but I want to shed some light on Saw 3. But yeah, we can move on now. <laughs> okay. Well, now that actually would segue perfectly into my next one because I'm going to go with a generic, well-known, and universally loved, I think, sequel, which would be, in my opinion, one of the... When I thought of, like, best sequels, like, this stood out to me immediately. A tight hour and a half running time. And, in my opinion, better than the OG, which is a great movie in its own right. That would be Shrek 2. I think this is an amazing yeah. movie. <laughs> like, just good fun. Expands on the world of Shrek, which I love. Like, I love when a sequel can do that, right? Like, you take the world of the swamp and Lord Farquaad's uh, empire and expand on that to far, far away. You get the parents, kind of like a, a meet the Fockers situation there. Like, we got Fiona's parents in there. And they're amazing acting on their end as well. Like they're hilarious. The humor hits in this one. You get fairy godmother, great villain, Prince Charming, just an absolute doorknob, but plays like a sol- a solid role as well. And especially when he's like impersonating Shrek and like trying to make Fiona believe that by taking the potion, like this is what he looks like now. Like has like a British accent now. It's just, it's just hilarious. There's really good. And then of course you also got Puss in Boots in there. Antonio Banderas kills it in that role. That's a solid three pack of Shrek, Donkey and Puss. And that spawned a bunch of sequels and spinoffs in its own right as well. So Shrek 2 in my opinion, goes downhill from there. Like I was, I've only seen Shrek three the one time. I didn't really like it, and I haven't seen the other ones. 
haven't seen any of the Puss in Boots movies, but I heard the last one that just dropped, I think last year was pretty good actually, like The Last Wish or something like that. All that to say, Shrek 2, also amazing third act. Like the, I need a hero. That's just a classic scene. Fairy Godmother just busting the pipes out on the dance floor with the moves on the dance floor too electric action too and yeah it's just so good i love shrek too i'll uh open the floor up now for discussion phenomenal pick spoiler alert it's on my list so (laughs) i'll only be talking about three more shrek 2 is at the top of my list actually i love that movie I, I loved it, but then my girlfriend, it's one of her favorites, so she rewatches it constantly, and I loved it even more watching it a couple times in the last year. All the adult re- references for adults, perfect. Um, do you love it just as much, Justin? Um, I love it enough that it, spoiler, hey, it's on my list too. So, <laughs> hey, the trifecta. Nice. Um, I mean, perfect. both Shrek 1 and Shrek 2, I think, absolutely amazing. Uh, Shrek 3 definitely is... Uh, a few bars on the bar graph down uh, down below, I would say. But I think with um, with Shrek 2, it's like, okay, so here's this ogre who kind of like, just leave me alone. Like, no one likes me, so I'll just live in solitude. Finds this princess charming, love of, uh, love of his life. And it's like, okay, so now he's uh, going to go meet the parents. But, uh, like, what what can happen from that? And it's like, you know what? Uh, the, the journeys that... Um, he went on the the friends that he made as well. It's like it adds another onion layer, I guess, to uh, <laughs> nice. to the Shrek character, and it really once again maybe just goes to show you that there there's more to Shrek than uh, than even the first movie presented. And I think um, Shrek one and Shrek two definitely even uh, like back back as when we were kids, loved both of them, rewatched them a ton growing up. Either one of them is even one I would. Uh, be like if it's on uh, TV or wherever, it'd be one that even now close to thirty, I still still would probably th- uh, throw it up and you know watch it and just reminisce about uh, the good old days when we would uh, watch it as kids. So uh, fantastic choice, both of you. If I if I do say so myself. Round of applause all around. Shrek one or two though, like if you gotta choose, like me, I'm saying like for me, I, I think this is a movie that's elevated from the first one which is already amazing but i prefer two personally what about you guys two two and i i know i put shrek two on my list i think i probably would have to go to the og just just because uh but it's you can't go wrong it's like pick your two favorite flavors of ice cream like exactly and it's yeah i just wanted to see which way you guys were going with it um very close like in saying that i like it more it's like not by much right like it's they're both amazing movies so yeah uh justin do you want to rip a next one yeah so i know we're all basically uh knocked down uh an extra one just because we we all had the same one there um so i'll actually kick it back uh horror style and i know this was uh sort of kind of the same family of movies but this i feel like uh it's a remake but done properly, and it's going to be uh, Halloween, the 2018 version. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, sort of back in charge. It was a sort of remake, one of three, and the other two weren't as good. But I feel like this version really did right the wrongs of movies such as Halloween Resurrection 2002. You know, it reintroduces um, uh, the character of Michael Myers, as he should have been when uh, he was first debuted to everyone in 1978 
which is this silent killer who when he has you in your tracks, you will die. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, because you can't stop him, he cannot be killed. I think this movie actually puts a really good modern twist. Uh, some of the scenes involved, um, I, I forget the character's name, but he thinks that Michael Myers is the um, granddaughter of Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Like, that's her father in, in that. And then when he realizes, oh no, this guy means bad news, runs away, runs into this guy's backyard and sort of takes like that modern technology of, you know, uh, cameras if you have in your backyard and when there's when they detect motion, the light flashes. It it really does such a good illustration of um, this uh, this character, you know, Michael Myers hunting him down and eventually killing him in a very gory way. You know, just stuff like that. Re sort of redoing the wrongs of the past. Uh, I think this movie like really got me back into watching horror and watching the the Halloween movies. Um, the, the following two movies didn't really get uh, as good of reviews, but I think this movie really did uh, right the wrongs of the past. Uh, what, what do you guys think if you've seen it? Um, well, I haven't seen it. Like, I haven't seen any of the Halloween okay. movies, honestly, so it's tough for me to say. I know, like you just said, Justin, that like the last few ones, like Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends, were not that good well received i did hear like halloween 2018 was solid like the return to form with jamie lee curtis so but no i, I haven't seen it I, I can't really say much on like how it compares to the ones that came before it right so i'll uh, pass it off to matt on that one a very welcome and surprising pick justin i love it um <laughs> a sequel 40 years later in the story because it is a sequel really to the original and they redcon every single thing that came in between which i love that they did that i i really dug this movie actually i went to the theater with my mom and we both like had a blast good kills good characters sequels were a little disappointing but uh, this one was fresh and um kind of like what it went exactly where i where i wanted to go with the shitty sequels right like they didn't do any of that stuff but this one went more realistic approach i think so good twist and turns too good pick i didn't i had no idea this would like you'd pick a horror movie so i'm super happy thanks justin i have because of shrek 2 that eliminates one so i have a one's an obscure foreign film and one's like a pick that like is pretty not generic but like it's on a lot of lists online i'm gonna go with the foreign obscure one here <laughs> it's actually a canadian french canadian movie from quebec it's from 2003. It's called The Barbarian Invasions. Winner of the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film in 2003 for Canada. The, it's a drama comedy, more on the drama side. And it's a sequel to a movie the director made 15 years before in 87 called The Decline of the American Empire. So The Barbarian Invasions is about a patriarch of a family. He's on his deathbed, like dying, he's in the hospital. Family rushes back. You got it as his estranged son, his ex-wife, all his buddies from like his uh, teaching at the college days. And it's all about like little backstabs and like history resurfaces. It's like almost like a TV show now where like, you know, there's a lot of bad blood and like unresolved things that come to light. And there's a lot of like cool dramatic moments. Super solid movie. It's in French, of course. Uh, the Barbarian Invasions. Great, great movie. Um, you'd recognize some actors, I think, in there, like some French-Canadian actors. 
Um, I recommend it to everyone. Really good drama. You don't have to see the first one. This is a sequel. It's all the same characters from the first movie, but just like 15 years later. So it helps to see the first one, but it's not essential. So that's my pick for number for my second last pick is The Barbarian Invasions. Okay, I like that. I'm a... Uh, while saying I'm always looking for movies in French to watch would be a lie because I don't actually do the work to find them. But like I do always, I actually do want to watch more movies in French. So this is awesome. A well-received movie, like very well decorated and number two on your list for best sequel. So it's a, a good pick, but no, I've not seen this movie. Justin, have you? Haven't heard of it. Um, it definitely would uh, be a subtitle movie uh, for me. Just uh, <laughs> Same yeah, can't, yeah, can't speak the language, but it, it does sound like a really nice story. Well, minus uh, the, the the part that he's dying, but like how it basically uh, can relate to reality where, you know, just because certain things have happened in your life doesn't mean that people can't be brought back together over certain situations. I mean, maybe ideally mm -hmm. not one where you're dying, but it sounds like... Um, Sounds like it's worth a watch, and I think, um, Matt, you, you explained it really well, and uh, it sounds really good in the sense that you don't have to see the first movie to to see the second movie. Definitely one. Yeah. It's like somehow if we were all together, sit me down and force me to watch it, because I think uh, it, it would be one I'd like just throw the subtitles on so I know sort of what's going, what's going on. Nice. I'll go with my next one. I have three left there. So my next one would be one that... In my making my list, I said I'd normally look for like ones that are better than the original. I don't think this is the case for this one. I prefer the original, but I think this is a worthy sequel in this franchise that I think like nose dove after this one, which would be Meet the Fockers, which I actually mentioned earlier in the pod. I love this movie. I think it's a great sequel to a very good comedy in Meet the Parents. And it mostly really works like, because of the characters in there. Like you're... Greg Fokker, your Jack, I forget his last name, played by Robert De Niro. Burns. Jack Burns. <laughs> Amazing character. And this, these two movies really, Parents and Fockers, introduced me to the comedic chops that a Robert De Niro has. And he does not miss with the training of Jinxie Cat. And then the juxtaposition of the two families of... Like the Burnses were like very like military and no nonsense. Even like the mom, I guess, and the wife would be, she's a little more free spirit and jives well with um, Greg's father. Then you got the Fockers who are like really like free spirit and don't judge anybody. Whereas like Jack Burns is very judgmental, keeps a, a small circle, pun intended, and just is untrustworthy <laughs> of others around him. It's just a very fun movie and if you haven't seen both meet the parents and meet the fockers strong recommend i would say meet the fockers merits a uh, a solid place and like great comedy especially sequels where i feel like in comedies is where you're most like more likely to have a dip in future installments i don't think that's the case with meet the fockers so that's why i thought of it and uh, included on in the list great 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 pick eric i love that this movie too the strength of the movie, though, is, is uh, Dustin Hoffman and Barbara Streisand playing Greg's parents. They're like Hollywood royalty, and they're amazing in the movie, and they just make the movie even better. All the funny situation that situations that Greg gets in, all the, the jokes hit, they land on, like, Little Fockers, <laughs> the third one. But uh, 
Great, great pick, Eric. I recently went through the trilogy, so it's nice. really fresh in my mind. Good pick. Glad to see it. Just wondering, like you just rewatched them. Would a movie like that, like, would that be able to be made nowadays, you think? Or is that like that kind of comedy a bit risque, I guess, for our day and age? I think some of the stuff would be reevaluated re for sure. Okay, yeah. There's like small little, yeah, I think you're right, Eric. Okay. Definitely heard of them. Haven't uh, seen it with the exception of like a couple of scenes here and there. But uh, Eric, the way you described it, it sounds like it'll it'll go on the list as well. I feel like I saw a couple scenes with Robert De Niro and just his character seemed uh, like should have given me the hint, you know, like watch this movie. The, the cast alone, it's not like uh, uh, something like a horrible boss is where it's like star-studded cast, but the movie is... Uh, a little eh, to, to to say the least. You know, this one sounds like it hits minus uh, minus the last one. So definitely has to be on uh, on the list to watch because uh, sounds like it's a family that dare how dare we say we all know. Maybe we are maybe we are that family, but um, de definitely is going to go on the list. Has, has to go on the list. Just quickly before you give your next pick, I remember when I went to see shark tale in theaters meet the Fockers was playing like as a, a preview for them like a it was one of the trailers and i was like i was young like when that when we were in the theater to see shark tale and i remember when the title for the movie meet the Fockers popped up on screen i literally said out loud to my mom meet the fuckers and she was like i don't know it's like meet the fuckers <laughs> That's a classic moment. We were there with like my mom's friend and like her kids too. Yeah, it was a, it was a good, good stuff. I'll never forget that. And I did not swear much as a kid. I like to think I was not much of a potty mouth, as they say. No bars of soap in my mouth. Their, their name is F-O-C-K-E-R. What's yes, it supposed to? Exactly. So I think uh, little Eric was... Uh, should be excused whether he <laughs> yeah, was or, exactly. or not. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, good. All right. Um, so I'll, I'll go to uh, the second last one. Now, this uh, last two on my list are kind of more mainstream and part of a series of movies. So definitely maybe not too adventurous. But I think one of them I find is one of the more underrated uh, films in the, in the series of movies. And the other one is rather quite known so i'll get to maybe the the one that i think is a bit underappreciated and that would be uh harry potter and the chamber of secrets now i know a lot okay. of harry potter fans i find this movie does not get enough as much love as you know the philosophers slash sorcerer's stone or prisoner of azkaban or um goblet of fire and i think this one needs to get its due because i think it's second year harry he's still stuck back home with his terrible aunt uncle and um uh cousin and so he he's already used to like the the wizarding world and all of a sudden the man who brought him into it hagrid is sort of like the main point of like what's what is he the one who's associated with op reopening the chamber of secrets and I think just the the visuals of it, uh, the ba the basilisk. I think of all the uh, Harry Potter creatures is probably my favorite. Like, cannot go wrong with a massive, giant snake that essentially uh, 
uh, way back when um, Salazar Slytherin uh, would basically feed the mudbloods to. And hey, seeing 16-year-old um, Lord Voldemort was also like, I think... Probably the only time in the trilogy where you don't see him as, like, the very snake-like looking monster. So I think it's relatively still within the same realm, but I think it's also a little different in terms of the overall story and the way that uh, that it was approached. And I feel like this movie needs to get its love. Of all, of all the times you bring up Harry Potter movies, this one does not get enough love. So uh, how do you guys feel about the Chamber of Secrets? It is underappreciated because it doesn't get mentioned. It's never in like the top three or top five Harry Potter movies. Maybe because it's one of the longest running times for one. I will say though, part uh, Chamber of Secrets is super faithful to the book. Like it doesn't cut a lot of stuff out. Also because the book is one of the smaller ones. But it, it, it's a really faithful adaptation. Visually it looks amazing. It enhances the... Like we get more of the magical world in this movie more stuff like a lot of class footage like there's a lot of there's a lot going on in this movie maybe a little long compared to the other ones um but no it's a it's an amazing sequel still rewatchable to this day all the movies are it's a great franchise good pick justin so justin you start off this episode saying thor ragnarok one of the worst sequels and now you go and put chamber of secrets in the best sequels and you totally redeemed yourself. I love this movie. This is literally probably my favorite one of the whole series. Like, And again, super controversial where most people rank it as one of the worst ones. I love Chamber of Secrets, honestly. It's um, that and Goblet of Fire for me are my two favorites for sure. Like, It's very close. But no, I love Chamber of Secrets. For me, I never have an issue with the running time. It's like two hours and like 40 minutes, I want to say. Long movie. Never feels that long for me. I feel like it flies by. There's always something going. You're always intrigued to find out what's happening. Why is Harry able to hear these voices? Who's behind it? It's like a mis- there's a murder mystery aspect to it. I love it when they're younger too. Like we've talked about in the pod so many times. We love to see kids overcome like unbelievable circumstances, which they do in the earlier movies, right? And then it's just funny you say like, a 16 year old uh, Voldemort looks like he's like 24 years old but like it's like it is cool to see him at that point in his life Uh, he did that actor does a great job as like the creepy like creepy but also like authoritative young wizard who's gonna go on to become like a a formidable villain basilisk unreal creature that and the Hungarian horn tail would be my two favorites personally in terms of like really cool looking creatures and Buckbeak as well, throw them in there. But if you're talking about like villains and like scary creatures, but yeah, God, I love this pick, man. Very surprised when you said sequels and Harry Potter. I did not know you would go with this one, but I'm, I'm a big Chamber of Secrets guy. Agreed, doesn't get talked about enough or doesn't deserve the slander it gets. So I'll go again with the kind of mainstream one. Leave like my more a more personal one for last. Me again in this series, a lot of people favor another one. So maybe this is kind of like a a chamber of secrets situation, if you will, but not really in the same way. But anyways, so my next one would be Toy Story 2. Love this movie. Most people go to Toy Story 3. The thing with me is I've only seen Toy Story 3 the one time in theaters. I remember liking it a lot, but I'll always fall back to that, like that childhood nostalgia. I've always watched Toy Stories 1 and 2. And I think Toy Story 2 is an amazing sequel. 
Again, you get some a lot of new characters in there. You get the bond between Woody and Buzz, which is really like the focal point of the the original, where like they're both vying, or more so Woody is really vying for the top spot again for being Andy's number one toy, competing with um, Buzz. Love to see them just off the rip be homies and like they they just take everyone under their wing. They're they're both cool in their own way. Um, Woody's got Bo Peep. He's just thriving, you know. And then Woody gets stolen. You got uh, Al, that dirtbag, nasty farm animal, getting in the mix there, stealing him at a friggin' uh, a garage sale. Like throw, I think he like throws the the skateboard in the back of the garage like, to distract the mom, then takes the toolbox and just fucks off. Like just a. Yeah, I can't respect that at all. And then you got my guy Zerg in there, like your Darth Vader, Stinky Pete, Prospector, um, Jesse, Bullseye. You get the Woody backstory too, right? Like his lore. And the first one really focus on Buzz and like his universe and all that there, which I guess is more explored in the movie Lightyear, which I've not seen yet. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Toy Story 2 is the maybe Chamber of Secrets of this universe. Doesn't get talked about enough and uh, deserves a higher place maybe in the hierarchy that should be reorganized. I I think I would agree, especially with uh, the, the Chamber of Secrets analogy. I feel like uh, growing up, actually, I watched uh, Toy Story 2 a lot more than, than I watched Toy Story 1. And um, uh, Al, certainly an <laughs> iconic villain. I want to say... A modern day version of him guaranteed is would be one of those like forty year olds who just uh, sits at home and plays like uh, maybe n- not to insult anyone who does play these games, but like uh, your League of Legends, your World of Warcraft, <laughs> and you just like it's almost dare I say, unfortunately, like that is literally him. He's like that sort of guy who is like just stays at home, is always looking to uh, to make a quick buck and. Um, yeah, the the way he goes about it, it's like absolute despicable person, like stealing a kid's toy that the mo- mom's like, no, no, this shouldn't be here. It's not for sale. And then just is like, eh, distraction. And yeah, I'm going to go sell this for a hundred bucks or however, however much it was at the time. Uh, but, uh, and Zerg as well with uh, quite literally the uh, very Darth Vader moment with uh, with Buzz, so that was a, a reference for uh, for the parents watching the movie. But absolutely incredible, I think, especially for the time. Like uh, the the animations were incredible, and uh, so many good memories of uh, of young me watching this at at the grandparents. So cannot uh, cannot disagree with this choice. Almost was going to be on on the same list here, but I actually felt uh, someone would ha- would take this movie, so I went with uh, clearly Shrek Two that uh, <laughs> only everyone took. <laughs> nice, I love that. Phenomenal pick, Eric. It would have made my list too, but I only went with one animated movie. Um, it's a masterpiece. It's the first movie I remember seeing at the theater. I think it was seven when it came out. I remember me at the theater, like, watching when Bullseye's chasing the airplane at the end, oh, yeah. at the airport. Like, I remember sitting in my seat, seat, looking at that, watching that. I still remember that phenomenal movie. Arguably the best of the trilogy, or of the franchise. Um, you guys said it all. It's a phenomenal movie. 
as is my number one. I'll just say Go quickly, ahead. you just brought up an amazing scene that I don't want to gloss over. Bullseye keeping up with a plane going at top speed for takeoff is just objectively hilarious. Like how yeah. he's able to reach that kind of velocity on the runway, just burning his hooves on the tarmac is just gold. Yeah. Yeah, don't yeah. don't think of like the science behind that, how no. a toy somehow yeah. I mean, the toy is like animated, so I guess all logic there goes out the window. But yeah. doesn't matter; it's a kids' movie. Just no. let yourself believe. For sure, it's just funny. Yeah. It's just funny. It is funny. Yeah. For my last pick, uh, Justin's already mentioned this movie, or Eric has. It's Godfather Part Two. Oh, okay. Nice. Arguably improves on the on the first one. I'm not of that opinion. I think the first one's better. But Godfather Two is a masterpiece. Masterpiece as well. It's one of the only sequels to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. After the first one won the Academy Award for Best Picture. It's crazy how back-to-back, right? It's the introduction of Robert De Niro, the greatest actor of his generation, in my opinion. He won an Academy Award for his role. The flashback sequences are the highlights of this movie. Everything about it is super compelling. Al Pacino's dynamite. You got some really like iconic moments in the movie. Um... There's not much more to say. It's been said to death before. It's a, it's an amazing gangster movie. Super rich world. It's a long one, but there's always stuff going on. Betrayals, backstabs, crazy murder scenes. The rise of Vito Corleone through those flashbacks. Uh, yeah, Godfather 2. I, 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 I have nothing else to add on this movie. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, I've seen it once. Like, same with Godfather. I feel like I've, maybe I've seen Godfather twice. But I remember... From my initial thoughts of seeing Godfather 1 and then 2 not long after, I preferred the second one. But I would have to go back. And that was years ago. Like, I want to say 2016 or something when I was, like, in that phase of, like, ripping a lot of these classic movies. But I have to go back to it. But I, I do remember, like, the flashbacks were some of my favorite parts. And, like, obviously I remember, like, it's an iconic scene. Like, the Fredo stuff there is pretty classic but no that's one i gotta run back for sure i gotta put like was it like three hours or so to the side and just like rip it once more a oh, great pick matt i had a feeling you would have godfather 2 on here i thought of it and uh, i'm glad to see it on the list yeah sadly it's it's another one where it's like nope haven't seen it which i feel like of all the movies that have been brought up it's like of all watch this one like cult classic beloved by all has been around forever uh so so definitely of all, of all the movies i guess uh i feel like the people would say you know watch this one because withstood the test of time any movie i don't know if any movie within like our generation has come close to sort of touching how good of a movie it it was i feel like we we probably use references from it uh even still today that I'm completely unaware of. And I'd watch the movie and it's like, Oh, this is why we do that. This is why we say that. Oh, this is why this is a meme. So, you know, de- definitely what, what you guys said, there, there's a reason why it's uh, regarded by, by critics as like the best of all time. So, uh, so it's so definitely great, great, uh, great ender there, Matt. Um, I'll transition to my, my last one, Eric, or you want no, yeah, to go, go for it, Justin. Okay. So, I'll bring up one that uh, maybe you, one can argue is probably one of the greatest films of our generation. 
and that would actually be the very well-known and classic Avengers Endgame. Oh, okay, nice. I, I know uh, the the controversial take with the Thor movie, movie early and then ending off with another one from that universe, but come on, like you bring everyone back together, eventually take down one of the uh, most badass uh, final bosses in Thanos. Uh, to see everyone's story come together, especially um, on the, uh, the the Captain America and Iron Man side of it. Um, I know there, there's the debate, uh, uh, me personally, Captain America, best Avenger. So maybe another controversial take people can fight me on. But um, to see his ending, especially too in the movie, you know, um, looking at it from his end and a fan of, uh, of Chris Evans as well, just uh, eventually getting to be with uh, the woman who he thought he had lost, you know, being able to go back in time and then coming back as older version him and the, them saying, like, sir, are you going to stay? And just like, nah, I don't, I don't think I will. Iconic, absolutely iconic. And um as well, uh, Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man, you know, sort of sacrificing himself for the greater good, like, and and for for his daughter too, just absolutely incredible. The fight scene, epic. Nothing will ever touch uh, the the Lord of the Rings ones, uh, like the Battle of uh, Helm's Deep. I'll say, but this this one is maybe the the tier right below that. You know, I think it really put a nice bow on those movies that we like it brought up a generation like uh like all of us how we kind of went through like high school and uh university and college with uh with all those movies and um i'll admit i i haven't personally really seen any marvel universe things since then but i feel like that's just more they're uh they're producing them like how iphone introduces uh or apple introduces new iphones it's just like one thing after another after another and like man ain't nobody got time for all this stuff do you I don't know. At least, at least I don't. So, uh, so what, what would you guys say? I, I, it's a good pick, Justin, because when Avengers Infinity War came out, the peak of superhero movies, in my opinion, Endgame almost like it's almost just as good as Infinity War, in my opinion. Like it's a great movie. It has some pacing issues, perhaps, but uh, the epic moments, like I talked about in the last episode, the epic moments are like bone, like goosebump inducing, like. Can, I'll be rewatching this movie till I die because of those like heartbreaking moments and badass like all the hairs on like stand up you know like full full nerd chills throughout the movie. Um, good pick, Justin. The MCU hasn't been the same since Endgame, right? Like you you change again the hierarchy of how everything looks by like losing your Iron Man, your Captain America, and in a very emotional fashion, legendary fashion for both of them. Mm-hmm. It's a like a honestly. While at the first time I saw it, it was the journey to the end was like not what I was expecting. And like how you get the time jump and you're not really sure how they're going to go back, how going back in time is going to work. It all does work and it gets done perfectly, honestly. So it's a great sequel, perfect culmination of like 30 or 20 some movies. Um, I think so. We're on the last episode, we're actually debating like, putting Endgame in like the top five of all MCU and it was Matt and I making the list together. So we both had movies that we were pushing for and didn't want to like concede on one of them. So Endgame actually ended up becoming in like the A tier below the S. So there is a place for it. Clearly like Matt was pushing for it more than me, but I do love it. I think it's an amazing movie 
it's um there's just like for me like i said there's like see i'm a ragnarok guy like i I wanted ragnarok out i wanted it in so you can it all comes back to your your worst sequel and now your best movie it's all like all tied together perfectly and i'm on the outside just fighting for ragnarok on my own out here but no it's i have nothing bad to say really like about endgame it's an amazing movie and a great pick no, I feel like the the comments will be more for you than uh, than for me. But hey, the the way it's ended, it's almost like how it's another thing like a Godfather to how are you possibly going to top this? And yeah, they've been pumping out content like uh, like uh, McDonald's almost just like one after another after another. But like, is any of it really ever going to touch that? Or at least maybe the whole uh, Marvel universe can. It, like maybe is that like um maybe has marvel peaked is the, is there an opportunity for dc even to sneak it probably not not the way the dc movies have been but who knows i don't know i'm we're starting to see honestly the fall of marvel and to not go down into this too much there because we did mention it like how marvel has been the last few years like on the last episode there um i'm actually going to see the flash on friday very excited to see how that's going to shape out because that's kind of like the start of what the new DC era is going to look like. So we'll see what they can pump out with that one. But yeah, no Marvel like has not been the same since Endgame, And that's like, it cannot be denied. So you're not missing that much, man. Like there's mm-hmm. been a couple of good movies, but overall, like it's been a lot of swinging and a misses in my opinion. And now for my last movie, it's just funny how I'm going to go toe to toe here with Godfather two and Avengers Endgame, And the movie I'm about to cite is like, has no business being mentioned in the same breath as these other two. <laughs> but I still will because for me, it's one of my favorite sequels. I think, again, this would be, in my opinion, better than the OG, which I love as well. Another comedy movie, Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. Amazing movie, honestly. I think it falls in the, the back end of this golden era of comedy movies. I think I cite it as like my number one comedy movie when we did our comedy movie pod in like 2019 and it's still up there for me honestly I don't know if it'd be number one like I think having a re-seen super bad lately like that'd probably jump it but super bad ain't a sequel so I'm not mentioning it Guantanamo Bay amazing movie honestly does not stop to take a breath whatsoever throughout this entire movie it's like a classic like stoner buddy comedy movie where they hop from one spot to the next on like this wild night of misadventures and like are put in these impossible situations and crazy things happen and you're just all for it the whole time. This is a movie that would not be made nowadays though. Very, um, I, I guess, inappropriate, but I don't know. It's a, it's a funny movie. Like it's a different era of comedy where, um, you know, we're able to express more creatively what we thought, I guess. I don't know. But I think this is a, a fantastic movie. And the um, you got Rod Cordry in there playing Secretary Fox. One of my favorite. almost drafted him in our comedy movie characters draft. But I decided to pander to a different demographic by going with Lieutenant Frank Drebin in the fifth round. And uh, but Secretary Fox is right there, amazing character. And yeah, John Cho and uh, Cal Penn are amazing in this movie. The, these two movies, Guantanamo Bay and and White Castle for Helen Kumar, nonstop laugh out loud humor. 
strong recommend. If you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while, I would uh, get on that. Well, I've I've seen this movie once and yeah, I, sorry, I like Harold and Kumar too, but I've only seen it once, Eric. And Frank, I can't even remember half of it. So you know what? This is the incentive to rewatch it. So thank you. I remember really liking it though. So good pick. This one, thankfully, I have seen, so I can <laughs> properly comment on this one. Um, I think it, it it does a pretty good job, I would say, um, of sort of straddling that line of, like, acceptable and not acceptable. I think um, as long as you go into it, you know, like, there there's going to be some offensive comedy. So, you know, if you're going to – if you, you got to go in expecting that there's going to be some really uh, touchy subjects – and I think as long as you go in with with that mindset, you you should be all good to go. Like I think a lot of comedies, especially back then to now, in in some ways really have not aged well, even with those who who maybe have the appetite for it. But um, honestly, the, those kind of movies they're they're right up my alley. So I I got no no complaints with it. I think there uh, lots of laughs throughout, and the the overall story as well. It's like you know more than just sort of your oh, haha, dumb stoner comedy. Like, there's actually, like, some some proper storyline behind it, and there's some uh, there's some some dramatic moments, too. It's not just, like, a straight, dumb, dumb comedy. So if you're able to to take offensive jokes, I, I give both that and White Castle, you know, a, a strong recommendation to the audience. So. Yep. Love that stamp of approval. Um, and, yeah, like, like you said, there's a beautiful love story in the mix as well there about like rekindling with his ex-girlfriend who's about to marry another guy and he's trying to swoop in and steal her back like just your traditional love story right but um everything that hap- that is supposed to happen happens and uh it's a hell of a ride if i do say so myself pardon my french but yeah <laughs> good list everybody we got a couple of submissions from the people so my mom submitted for bad sequels, Sex in the City 2, apparently is horrible, and good, a lot of the same ones as me, Toy Story 2, Shrek 2, and then Knives Out, Glass Onion, which I also really loved. I thought it was a great sequel to Knives Out. I think Knives Out is better. It edges it out by a razor thin margin. Pun intended. Pun intended. Yes. <laughs> and but no, Glass Onion is a great sequel. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing the next movie in that franchise. Hopefully, they can keep it going, get like another strong ensemble cast, and uh, yeah. There we I go. agree. Those ones, and then we got some more from uh, Klesin, former guest Klesin Ud. So she said, "This is another one too. I love Cheaper by the Dozen too." Great sequel, in my opinion, as well. Avatar 2 and Spy Kids 2. And then for worst, she said Red Dragon from like the Hannibal Lecter universe. Oh, I disagree with that. <laughs> wow. No, but the the for the best, I, I agree with everything she said. Spy Kids too. Never thought that'd be mentioned tonight, but uh, <laughs> maybe at worst. But uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't oh, remember. Yeah, I don't remember the Spy Kids movies at all, honestly. Good throwbacks, I will say. Um, yeah, there's there's one in there. I think it was the 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 Red Dragon or Red Dragon. Don't think I've actually heard of that, but um, 
sounds like it's worth a watch for for one one and two or at least two is so maybe see one before you see two so for red dragon so that's like um silence of the lambs right mm, okay it's a it's a prequel to that actually so it's um oh okay. but it, it came out after it's with Edward Norton and and um, Hannibal Lecter, um, Anthony Hopkins, Ray Fiennes. I want to say as well. He plays the other um, serial killer, the villain there. That sounds worth it. Yeah. Yeah, Gotta I don't remember disliking then. that. I read the book actually. I love the book, and then the movie Francis Dollarhide. I want to say is his name. The uh, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Ray Fiennes. Ray yeah. Fiennes. Yeah. Me honestly, I was looking at for worse sequels. Hannibal, I was considering putting in there. That's a bad movie, in my opinion. Like, That's a bad one, yeah. Anthony Hopkins, like for lack of a better word, kills it in that movie. But other than that, like when he's not on the screen, it's just brutal. I want to say like, Philip Seymour Hoffman is in that, or is he in Red Dragon? I'm just getting confused here. I don't know. But Red Dragon. Red Dragon, yeah. So that's a pretty good cast, actually. But anyway, yeah, Hannibal, I mean, there's just nothing going on other than when Anthony Hopkins on the screen. But yeah. And yeah, like, how do you follow up Silence of the Lambs? Five out of five on Letterbox, in my opinion. Amazing movie. Yeah. All right. Well, good list, guys. Um, I don't have that much. We can do like a quick random recommendations been pretty busy out here like i haven't been able to see do or like watch that much do you guys have anything that you want to recommend to the people like general justin do you have anything you'd want to throw out to the the good listeners of easy conversations uh nothing in ter- really in terms of uh shows or music unfortunately um uh just enjoying the nice weather out here uh we're uh, trying to get out to as many jays games as i can you know that time of the year whether they play like my hockey team or not is a whole other issue but i mean they they redid uh, the rogers center or the sky dome as us hardcore fans call it uh so it's honestly such a uh, good vibe and hey it's it's the getting close to the time of the year where there's going to be good consistent weather so you know hit up uh hit up your patios hit up uh, your outdoor activities uh i always say every year i'm going to try to learn how to golf um <laughs> I mean, hey, if if I hit the ball in the air, I consider it a successful shot. But uh, I know a few of my buddies, they'll if they they listen to this, they'll just have a laugh and uh, they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, bring out your putter onto the green." There's a funny backstory I could tell you off camera than that, but uh, suffice to say, I'm not a golfer. So at the very least, you know, hit hit the driving range and work on that. You know, just uh, more outdoor activities, the better. So. So I'll just say my recommendation going off what you just said there about going outside. Well, this would, you would have to be inside to do this, but it's about going outside, which would be the Netflix documentary series, Full Swing, which is the same production company that did like the Formula One that's very popular on Netflix uh, coverage of like the whatever Formula One stuff. I don't really, haven't watched it, but Full Swing is like obviously the PGA equivalent. Very good stuff. So I've seen six episodes of the eight so far very good like it's a good way to get like familiar with prominent pga tour players and a few lesser known ones as well like there's quite a few that i didn't know and it's just cool to find out about like their day-to-day and their story about how they got to the tour what they deal with on the personal side of things like a lot of very 
touching stories in there. Some not so much for sure. Like uh, Brooks Kepka, for example. He's kind of a villain on the tour. So naturally I cheer for him. But a lot of people aren't a fan. So like you see, it's just interesting there to see like how they're like in their lives and whatever there so full swing like if you want like i said learn a bit more about some golfers and stuff and uh it makes you want to golf or it makes me want to golf anyway when i watch it there so it's cool so full swing on netflix eight episodes i'd recommend that yeah i heard good things about that show actually my dad really likes it um nice. i'll just recommend one tv show actually and i haven't finished it yet but I'm going to be talking about this show on another episode, I'm, I'm hoping, Eric. I know you've seen it. I'm finally jumping on the bandwagon, and I'm almost finished, like I just said. But uh, I recommend Ted Lasso. It's a great oh, show. let's go. Should have nice. watched, watched it when it came out. Uh, definitely going to talk about it some more. I'm just recommending it tonight. Uh, really, really, really solid show was not sure where you were going with that, honestly. For some reason, my mind right away went to Attack on Titan. But you know what? I'm happy to hear you're on the Ted Lasso train. I've, I've yet to see season three. I'm going to get like an Apple TV uh, trial and then restart it, watch it with Andy, and then we'll just watch season three. Well, one to two and then three for me the first time there. So then we'll rip that. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it wraps up. Like season three is the last one too, right? So only three seasons. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it uh, how it ends. So nice. And I'm glad. Uh, are you enjoying yeah. it right now? Just oh yeah, I'm almost done season three. It's uh, oh okay okay. You're like almost. All, all done. I'll say is okay. I'm in yeah, yeah almost done season three. I'm enjoying it. That's all I'm gonna say. We'll okay. we'll probably talk about it when you're done season three. I'm guessing. Okay. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, That's all right. a good spot to wrap it up. Yeah, I think so. Been a solid. Good uh, length for this episode. Uh, Justin, again, killer on here. Always a great time having you on. Good lists, everybody. And uh, Justin, any final notes for the listeners? Uh, well, first, uh, thanks for having me on again, Eric and Matt. Uh, long-time listener. Um, then I'll try to, try to stay up to date on uh, on the mall. I still actually got to hit up that, uh, that Marvel one, the last <laughs> one, and probably be like oh well maybe i didn't think about that and maybe i should have uh with with, uh, with ragnarok but um <laughs> uh but no gr- uh, great time having me on always good to diversify because you know me i can uh talk sports all day long and i think right now is the time to uh take a big breath because we're we're getting that in a couple weeks uh with uh with the draft and free agency so you know to almost like train up for that, but, uh, <laughs> but take it easy. So, uh, really appreciate, uh, you guys having me on, uh, love, love doing this stuff. You guys always pump out great content. IMO. Otherwise, uh, hope you and, and the audience, uh, everyone's doing well, you know, take care, take advantage of all the outdoor stuff while we can. And, uh, you know, continue to stay safe and all that fun stuff. Yeah. No, well said, Justin. And thank you again, kind words but yeah no i agree the draft coming up i'm very excited for that matt great episode as per usual as well any final notes for the listeners yeah thank you justin first of all for coming on you were great as usual to the listeners thank you for listening i appreciate every one of you hope you're having a great summer right now and yeah have fun well said matt so yeah thanks a lot everybody for listening stay tuned for episodes dropping every two mondays Continue to enjoy your summer and the warm weather. And uh, yeah, peace.